the ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Isaiah 1.3 Hi, this is Pastor Jason from Christian Life Church in Waverly, New York. Welcome to Master's Crib, a weekly podcast where we interview pastors and leaders about the biblical teaching of authority. This program is designed to go alongside a personal Bible study aimed towards spiritual growth, biblical understanding, and a Christian worldview. Thanks for tuning in. We have Dr. Ralph Wilson, the director of Joyful Heart Renewal Ministries. He writes nearly all the material on his various websites. He has an intense interest in using the internet to teach the Bible and to train disciples. Dr. Ralph, welcome to Master's Crib. Thank you. It's an honor to be with you. I'm really excited about this. So today we have an opportunity to talk about Christmas and some of the ideas that people have floating around, maybe clear up some misconceptions. So uh, perhaps we could start just briefly, talk a little bit about um, your ministry and, uh, and, and just uh, how you got into doing what you're doing with online ministry. Okay, well, I, I pastored uh, uh, traditional churches. Uh, American Baptist was the denomination I was ordained in and have pastored in uh, both in Southern California and Northern California, did some church planting. Um, and then I've worked on staff of several churches. Uh, retired in uh, 2012 and decided to uh, approach ministry a different way. For about uh, 24 years, I've been teaching the internet, teaching on the internet using email primarily, tried to different methods. And, and so, uh, I have a, a mailing list of about 65,000, of whom maybe 10,000 are active. Probably the rest of them put my stuff in their spam file. And, uh, but uh, it's really a joy for me to uh, in, provide study materials for people around the world. Uh, maybe 40% of my list is outside the U.S., a lot in, in uh, sub-Saharan Africa. And so I just, I, I just think, what a great privilege, you know, to... To, to share with men and women of God materials that will help them in their ministry and in their spiritual life. So my ministry is called, uh, the, the study series is called the Jesus Walk Bible Study Series. My theory is Jesus trained his disciples by having them walk with him mm. for three years. And, um, and then my ministry is called Joyful Heart Renewal Ministries, joyfulheart.com and jesuswalk.com. Hmm. Well, that's awesome. So uh, we'll, we'll tear right into it then and, uh, and look at some of these questions we have. So I guess we'll start off just uh, talking about Christmas in general. So there are a lot of Christians that are concerned about celebrating Christmas. I'm hearing this more and more in our area locally. They say, well, Christmas is actually a pagan celebration. So we don't really want to participate in that. So is that true? Is that something we should be worried about this Christmas season? Well, yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I, I'm grieved. I, I watch the Christmas programs a little bit. I can't stand too much on, on the regular TV. And, you know, and it's all this uh, Santa and sleighs and 
elves and whatever. It's kind of a new mythology that's been created around Christmas in our day, actually in the last 100 years, 150 years perhaps, in such a way that it actually is displacing any real understanding of what Christmas is about. And so I see that more and more and our modern celebration of Christmas, especially here in America, um, just is moving in that direction and that grieves me. It seems as though as we're talking to people here and there, our atheist friends, our agnostic friends, um, or even some Christian friends, they lean in hard on these truths. I mean, we just celebrated Thanksgiving, and I remember in our office, there were all these signs everywhere that said, give thanks, give thanks, give thanks. And then we received these emails that said, remember that this is a time for giving thanks. And I asked my boss, give thanks to whom? Who should we give thanks to? For years, the village of Elmore, Ohio, has put out a traditional faith-based nativity scene for the holidays. Town councilmen we spoke to don't know who outed them, but somebody told the proudly atheist Freedom From Religion Foundation about this little nativity scene. And the next thing the town knew, it was threatened with a lawsuit. The foundation said placing a nativity scene in a public park violated separation of church and state. Now, rather than fight it in court because the village said they couldn't afford it, they moved the scene to a private yard across from the park. So does the nativity scene amount to a government endorsement of religion or is it a community tradition? People are less offended by the idea of what most adults equate to a myth, Santa Claus. They're less offended by that, by a lie, than they are by a manger scene. I mean, all over the United States, especially the past 10 years, there have been manger scenes stolen, ripped down, destroyed. Uh, Dr. Ralph, why is it that people are so offended by the manger, but they're not offended by what they know is a lie, and that's Santa Claus, or our image of Santa Claus that we've developed in American well, history? It, I think it comes back to, to faith and rebellion, uh, there are a lot of people that know there's a God or think there probably is a God, but they really don't want to be faithful to him because it would mess up their lifestyle. Mm. It's not so much an intellectual issue, though for some it is, but it's a moral issue. If Jesus is who Christians say he is, the son of the living God, then what Jesus says, we're responsible to follow. Mm. And if we're not going to, to say, yes, Lord, uh, count me in, I, I want to follow you because I believe you are the Son of God, then we have to find excuses. And so uh, it's called rebellion. You see it in your kids. I mean, it's part of human nature. You know, someone tells us what to do, and then we don't want to do it. And then we find ways of rebelling, either passively or actively. And even adults do that a lot. <laughs> and um, it, we have to look inside ourselves and say, Lord, what's wrong with me that um, that I rebel against this? But I think there are a lot of people that they don't like religion because it, if it would affect their lifestyle if they were to follow it. Mm. And therefore, they somehow have to, to um, kind of prove that it's wrong or diss it for everybody else. And it's part part of a way, it's part of a pride thing, you know, well, I'm right and you guys are stupid. Mm. 
we see that. And we, we're in, a, in an increasingly secular society. Europe was, went through this uh, following the Enlightenment. Uh, in England, I have a sister-in-law that lives in England. Maybe 3 4% of the people attend church on a given Sunday. And that's in, in non-COVID times. Um, but in America, uh, in, in many parts of the country, it, it is, uh, well, the average is maybe 30 40%. Here in California, 20%. And declining, unfortunately. I'm praying for revival. Me too. Because that's what's got us through as a nation. Back in the early days of our nation, uh, even before the the Constitution was put together and the Revolutionary War, there began to be a uh, what's called the First Great Awakening, and many, many, many thousands of people came to Jesus Christ during that time. During the Civil War, there was a major revival going on both in the North and the South, mm. uh, and in in <laughs> the. Uh, before the Great Awakening, the, the Baptists that were in America were kind of a cold theological sort of separatist group. After the Great Awakening, they became evangelists and started evangelizing all over the East Coast and the South and the North. And, uh, so, and that's just an example. I'm not trying to lift up Baptists here. It's just uh, we need revival, and that comes from God. Mm. And that comes from our part through prayer and, and humbly seeking God uh, and returning from our evil ways and uh, asking him to uh, heal our land. Mm. Oh, for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm praying with you for our nation. Definitely. I mean, we are ripe for revival right now. If ever we were, I mean, you, you can see the, the writing on the wall. I mean, just the, the way that our nation is and people are full of fear right now. People are looking for hope, and we are literally ripe for revival. So, uh, so I'm definitely, I'm definitely praying with you. So, thinking about this whole idea of having a wrong vision of Christmas, I just want to ask you this: um, When we think of the pulpit, and we think of what the pulpit was throughout the years, and what the pulpit has become today, Doctor Ralph, do you think that uh, if pastors were a little more bold to to reach the actual areas that people are thinking of, especially around Christmas time? Preach what the Bible teaches. So the Bible talks a whole lot about justice for the poor hmm. and, and uh, caring for the sojourner in your midst. I do think it's important that we interpret it for the people of our generation and raise the questions that the scripture uh, speaks to. And uh, if it doesn't talk specifically about Christmas, which it doesn't, uh, it talks a lot about the birth of Jesus, and it talks about a lot, the, a lot of the meaning of the birth of Jesus. Anyway, this guy asked me an email, uh, why do you celebrate Christmas? Because so much of it has pagan roots. Well, I grant that some of it does have pagan roots. Uh, December 25th, which was chosen as uh, the, by the church, the early, well, maybe third, fourth century, as the day when which... Christ's birthday would be celebrated. They had, but they had days for all sorts of saints to be venerated on different days, which is not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. um, so they set that as December 25th. Well, it just so happens that some pagan holiday also took place on December 25th. And probably some of the 
the ways that it was celebrated got sort of adopted into Christianity. If you're a missionary and you go to a country that doesn't know Jesus, you try to find places where their culture can relate to uh, your message so that they can understand what you're talking about. And so when you have holidays that they're celebrating in one way, what you do is you Christianize the holiday rather than throw it out. I mean, that's just good missionary practice. Now, the problem is that the idea is gradually the Christian part of it is supposed to uh, push out the non-Christian part. And in many examples around the world, that has not happened. Mm. So there's a danger of doing that. But uh, just to throw away everyone's culture um, isn't realistic and it's not good missionary practice. Mm. So um, anyway, this guy emailed me. It takes me a long time to tell the story here. The guy emailed me and he says, so uh, if uh, Christianity, if uh, Christmas has so many pagan roots, why do we Christians celebrate it? Should we celebrate it at all? Why do you celebrate it? And I, my answer to him was very short. And I think it, it expresses what I'm thinking. I celebrate Christmas as a pastor because it gives me a chance to talk about one of the most important elements of the Christian faith. That is the incarnation. Jesus is God's son who came to earth and lived in our shoes and died on the cross for our sins that we might be saved. That Jesus is the God man. Um, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, uh, yeah. that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Um, Philippians chapter two, verses uh, six through 11, kind of spell this out. Now this gets a little deep in the weeds, but I want you to stay with me on this uh, because I think it'll help you understand what the incarnation is really all about. Uh, Philippians 2, 6 and following, uh, talking about Christ Jesus, who being in the very, in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, verse 6, who being in very nature God... Uh, the Nicene Creed talks about being of the same essence or substance with the Father. They're made of the same stuff. Mm. He's not a he's not created. He is begotten. He is uh, uh, begotten of the Father. He's born of the Father. Uh, being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He already had equality with God. So he doesn't have to grasp at it and say, well, I am such and such and I have, you can't, I'm not going to humble myself because if I do, then people won't respect me the way I ought to be respected. All that foolishness. Mm -hmm. This is called humility, <laughs> which is why Paul tells this in, to uh, 
to a church where people were fighting with each other. Uh, verse 7, but made himself nothing. The word in Greek is kanao, means to pour out or empty oneself. Mm. He poured himself out, and I think in the, and says, and taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. So what would it be if you, a man or woman or child, if you became a snail? You know, just a garden snail, slimy, shell, kind of sticky, mm. and slimed around in the garden and ate plants you weren't supposed to, and all that kind of stuff. The kind of person that could be stepped on. <laughs> mm. um, what does it mean to become a human? Jesus had to give up a whole lot of his glory and radiance and power and all this stuff if he's going to become a real human being. Mm. Because we don't have that. And if he's, he's, he, can't, he can't give away his identity, which is son of God, but he laid aside voluntarily the prerogatives of divinity. He emptied himself. Mm. And when you look at, at uh, the little newborn baby that was born in a stable, we think, uh, maybe a cave, we're not sure, uh, in Bethlehem, and laid in a cattle trough in, because there wasn't any room in the inn. I have uh, three grand grandchildren, and about a year and a half ago, the littlest one was born, and I got to hold her in my arms. And you think about the future, and you think about how how precious they are and how their little fingers and everything, fingers and toes and how wonderful, what a and it is amazing miracle uh, that Jesus humbled himself to be so weak as a baby, mm. to be raised in a family of people who were God fearing people, but Hey, they had some problems in their lives and, and their family life wasn't always great. And if you look at, at the kind of pushiness of Mary in the Gospels a little bit, you realize that, uh, you know, she could be a, she could be at peace also, a piece of work as well, and his brothers. And so Jesus, the Son of God, is is humbles himself so he can be raised in a real family, born in a real place, into poverty, mm. so that he could take upon himself our sins and die on the cross for them as our sacrifice. Um, the incarnation, incarnate, uh, in, in, carne meat. He came into flesh mm. and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. John uh, 114. I think that Christmas is the best time to teach people about the incarnation mm -hmm. because you've got the little baby that everyone's familiar with, even though they may not understand its significance. You got the baby you've got born into poverty, um, and you people know about the cross. So you can talk about God so loving us that he sent his own son 
knowing what he would have to go through to redeem us. Mm. And uh, that's what Christmas is about. It's about love. Now, it is about family. Families get together and show love, and that's good. Families get together, and that's a good thing. And uh, having traditions at Christmas and having meals together, all that's good. So long as we know what the real meaning of Christmas is, that Jesus came into this world voluntarily, giving up so much that he might give so much. Mm. That's the real meaning of Christmas to me. And Christmas holiday, with all its uh, problems and warts, gives me a chance to talk about that. So I do. And I don't think we ought to be iconoclasts. That is, go and destroy all this. I, I visited Delft, Holland once and went to an, an old church that was built, I don't know, in 1400 or something like that. And I went inside expecting to see this normal Catholic cathedral kind of thing. It was bare. It was, there were, it was bare as bones in there because the iconoclasts had come through and ripped down all of the the statuary and the, the pictures and the symbols and just, you know, wiped it out. Now, it may have been uh, necessary in that time. I do not know. But I don't think it's our business to go and rip apart everyone's Christmas and make fun of it. I just think it's our mm. opportunity in this time when people's focus is on some of these things, use it as a jumping off point to talk about what God did. In other words, we're not the people who were against Christmas. We're the people that are for Jesus who came and we celebrate his birth on Christmas. We mm. substitute truth for the myth. The cross didn't become a Christian symbol until maybe the third century AD or later, maybe the fifth century. Uh, mm. I went to the catacombs years ago when I visited Rome and looked at all the Christian symbols, got really interested. You had to look really far to find a cross. You saw a lot of fish symbols, fish with scales and fins, but no crosses practically except for one cross I could find. In all of the study I did to try to find, is there a cross in the catacombs? No. So that represents the symbology of the church in Rome about 250 AD, 300 AD, uh, or later in some, some cases. Uh, I mean, a wreath... If we were to tear down anything that has any association with paganism, we would we would have to somehow rename the days of the week. <laughs> um, and the months. That, Saturday yeah. is the day of Saturn. Yeah. Sunday is the day of the sun. Uh, Thursday is the day of Thor. You get it. Yeah. So, yeah. so instead of being the people that have to tear down everything... Hey, we are triumphant in Christ. We don't have to constantly be fighting with our culture. Mm. Instead, we love our culture and proclaim Jesus. Now, we do have to stand up sometimes uh, if we're persecuted. Now, there is a time that we need to speak very directly to things that are false that are leading our people astray. I, I'm not denying that at all. But uh, let's, you know, as much as we can, let's use our, our energy in positive ways to proclaim Jesus. That's wonderful. So uh, this has been really, really awesome. I really appreciate your time. I just wanted to give you an opportunity to tell our listeners how they can find out more about you and about your ministry, Joyful Heart, and perhaps get those daily devotionals. 
All right. Uh, JesusWalk.com is my Bible study site. There are about 45 different email Bible studies that you can subscribe to. They're all free, no charge. Uh, You subscribe and then you get one lesson per week. They'll run from somewhere between six weeks and 16 weeks, typically, some some more now, and will take you in depth in scripture. Uh, And then I have uh, on my Joyful Heart side, a bunch of articles and uh, Christmas stories. Feel free to go to my website and take advantage of those things, joyfulheart.com. It's been a joy to be with you. Uh, I appreciate it. And, uh, and, and to you who are watching, may God richly bless you this season.